This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm talking with Scott Gerber, co-author of the new book, Super Connector, Stop Networking, and Start Building Business Relationships That Matter. And as you could guess, the whole premise and the whole topic of this conversation is about networking. However, it's not about networking. It's, in fact, about not doing networking the same way you've always done it, and instead stopping being a networker and starting to be a connector, a person who truly, authentically connects with people and isn't about just trying to get something out of people, but being a true friend, a true connection, a true conduit for give and take, etc. It is an awesome mindset shift that we all need to get into. And in fact, I really, as I work in social media, found fascinating and enjoyable parts of this conversation where Scott and I talk about how the role of social media in, quote, networking is changing from being this mass broadcast tool to a one-on-one connection tool. And even the social networks themselves are starting to reflect that in the changes that they're making in their policies and approaches. So if you've never been great at networking and want to figure out how to do it better or differently or do it right for the first time, this is the book for you. In fact, this is the conversation for you to get that started. So I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Scott Gerber. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Scott Gerber. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So you have come out with a book that I didn't know I needed. I thought I was pretty good at this. It's networking, but in, in fact, you're saying stop networking. It's called Super Connector. Stop networking and start building business relationships that matter and my thought here is, is I thought networking was a good thing. And so why do you see a difference between, quote, networking and relationship building? Yep, absolutely. So, Eric, I'm going to ask you a question. When's the last time you had something really good to say about a networker you met? <laughs> uh, you know what? <laughs> I don't know that I can give you a, a, a good answer to that without, like, outing people as bad business people. And there you go. Uh, <laughs> the reality is, is that the idea of networking has fundamentally shifted from its initial core idea of people building relationships with people to how do I get something from someone else for personal gain? How do I make this relationship transactional? How do I go and hand enough business cards to convert a funnel at X percent? All those things don't exactly sound human to me. 
And so, you know, it's not semantics. We fundamentally believe that someone who is a networker, you know, like I said, someone who's really out for themselves, out for personal, usually financial gain, thinking about very short-term wins rather than long-term value is very different than someone that thinks about the world through the lens of a connector. Uh, Someone who has emotional intelligence, who's empathetic, who's curious about people, who does not think transactionally, but thinks much more long-term, a community builder. So it's just a fundamental difference mindset. And I think what we need to do is once and for all, uh, and and thankfully myself and my co-author Ryan really not only have our own depth of experience, but you know many of the top connectors in business were part of the book and live by this sort of framework of how they live their lives every day, is finally shift the conversation away from that sort of guru MLM tips and tricks based thinking, right? The networking effect, um, and make it more about a rethink around the idea of building yourself to be successful in life where business is a part of that life and relationships make life more worth living in all respects. Fundamental shift of thinking, fundamental shift of the way you live your life, and in our opinion, a better approach to both. Okay. So in other words, and again, you said it's not just semantics. It's not just renaming something. It really is a perspective or a mindset shift. Absolutely. I think of it this way. When people say they want to lose weight, right? That's the code word for I'm not getting serious. I just, you know, I want to lose a few pounds. So you, you know, you do the Nutrisystem shake, you do the, you know, two minutes in the morning of an abs or crunches or whatever. You might go to the gym once a week to feel like you've accomplished something. Those that really want to have the right goal say, I want to be healthy. And what do they do? They fundamentally change how they eat and what they eat. They fundamentally change how they're working out and incorporating that into their lives. They're doing things very differently because this isn't just a couple of things you do to win in a certain way. It's a fundamental different way to look at the problem. And I think this is very, very similar. I think we are in a situation where we have massive amounts of noise hitting us every second of the day, and rather than take a step back, we amplify the noise. We add more to it in most cases. Um, And what's very funny to me, Eric, is that finally the noise makers or the platforms that have allowed for the noise are starting to see, and this is in my opinion the beginning of a cultural shift, are starting to see that that noise has now taken them off course of what their initial goals were. So you look at Facebook Mm -hmm. recently fundamentally changed the entire algorithm based on one core thing. Hey, there's too much freaking brand content and nonsense on our platform. We can't have human conversations and connections anymore. So we're just going to remove that and, you know, go back to our original goals of building deeper relationships. That changed industries overnight. Yet at its core, all it said was, yeah, we really need to be more human again. Right. And that's what that's about. That's the way the world is going because those with power, those that want to keep power, those that are successful understand one fundamental truth. They don't want to be in the crowded room. They want to be at the head of the intimate table. There's a different setting, a different environment, a different set of goals, a different entire purview in how you look at the world in that fundamental statement. And I think you're going to start seeing a lot of these others follow suit. So now is the moment for you to take that step back and realize this is happening for a reason and not just fall in line trying to figure out the next way to hack the system for, to, to make the old way still work. It's to actually say, hold on, did the old system actually work or was I just a cog in a machine? And now I have the chance to actually be a smarter, more authentic relationship builder in my own way that actually will generate a longer term community with longer term value for me and those in it. I want to come back to social media in a second, but you mentioned these these old ways, and I want to 
talk about that for a second. So what about the quote, like old world of networking do you think still worked or what can we take from that old world and spin it and use it for, for good in the new world? Let's use a conference. I think that's like the perfect example. Sure. Um, so today you have conferences uh, that basically sometimes are in the hundreds or thousands of people. Um, now, I don't know about you, but I don't know many people that get a lot of value out of being in a room with a thousand people. Um, and so what you see is a lot of connectors, uh, and this is something we do internally at one of our portfolio communities, YEC, uh, Young Entrepreneur Council, is we know that people, specifically professionals, are going to go to these things because they have to, right? They work, their boss tells them to go. In the industry, <laughs> they need a break from their day-to-day lives, so they figure this is a vacation, whatever their reasons. You go to the conference, and the best connectors, what they'll do is weeks before that, they will identify all of the key stakeholders, influencers, people they absolutely want to meet, that if they could curate what we call an oasis, a private get-together, of people that are already in that location, and that live in the area where the conference is, that are exceptional, plus people coming from out you know, out of town to attend the conference that are equally exceptional, amazing people, criteria that you've put in place, whatever that might be. Maybe it's, you know, you want only tech investors. Maybe you want something more authoritative like, you know, the leaders of other groups. Uh, Maybe it is like the CEOs of five, 10 companies, whatever it is. You pull those folks into a private oasis. You remove all the friction from the networking aspect. You're going to ask them three simple questions before they even attend this oasis event you've created. What's the number one challenge you're facing in your business right now? Could be an example. Um, Where's your biggest strength that you could help someone else? Third one, give us a crazy fact that no one is going to know about you. Uh, It's not the normal thing you talk about. You take those things, you put it in an email, you put a LinkedIn uh, link above the person's name, you, you get everybody that's going to attend this event that you've privately invited, you, you put it all into a roundup email, send it out to everyone. People attend this event, you might sit them next to each other purposefully if it's a sit-down event, not tell them why. But the point is you're creating a frictionless environment that's curated with you at the center of the sphere of influence because it is a good thing to meet in person. It is a good thing to be out of your uh, environment. It is a good thing to have more than just one-on-ones. But it's not a good thing to be networking for networking's sake, which is what conferences have become. Mm. Whereas this is an exercise in curated uh, curated environment. It's convening. It's putting people in a safe space. It's bringing them together for purpose. And it's putting you in a position of showing that by curating this kind of room that you understand and have an eye for the kinds of people that you know one another, which puts you directly in the center. Then you have the ability to follow up with these individuals afterwards, keep track of them, connect them if they didn't meet everybody in the room, and then do it again, step and repeat. At the end of that, just one example, taking something that originally was this piece of real estate created for really smart, good intentions, and being able to build something that makes sense in the current age. Same thing goes with Facebook. I tell people all the time, even simpler. Facebook, I love when marketers tout, Facebook has billions and billions of users. Excellent. You're not going to connect with billions of users. Never. You're lucky if your content's going to get out there to 10 people these days. So instead, utilizing something as simple as a Facebook group, where you're curating a very small group of people together with common purpose, common goals, commonalities in some way, shape, or form, but engaging and moderating a real discussion or series of discussions, not allowing for self-promotion or marketing or sales speak or all the other crap, policing this so that people take it seriously and ensuring that real safe conversation can flow or a conversation in a safe space can flow. Again, it's using the platform, real estate that was created by someone else, which had great intention, went off the rails, 
And now you're using just the piece that makes sense to the connector mindset that actually does the job at the most bare bones level of doing the original intent, staying, being human, allowing humans to be humans with other humans. Simplicity. What you're talking about is a whole heck of a lot smarter and more strategic than just the spray and pray with the business cards type mentality that we see again, that con- that's conjured up when we use the word networker. Yep, absolutely. It started with business cards and now it's email newslet- you know, newsletters, right? How many newsletters oh. you get that you've never met the person in your life, but somehow you were on their quarterly update or the new promotion or the whatever. Um, and again, I think that what happened is we conflated meeting a lot of people with being truly connected. And that's what happened, I think, in the last two decades where you've had this proliferation of social media and other platforms and so forth. So the reality is I think we have to get smarter by just realizing just because there are bells and whistles doesn't mean that that should apply. Anything that gets in the way, anything that is friction, anything that stops people from just doing what they would do in any environment, it's just a waste of time. It's meant to fill air. It's meant to have your attention garnered for someone else's goal, selling advertising, getting a sponsor engagement, whatever it is. But the true reality is we are relationship-driven beings. But we have fundamentally destroyed the premise by putting our faith into technologies and platforms and third parties rather than our own ability to curate, convene, and, and have conversation We've amplified not our humanity. We've amplified the thing that is supposed to be in place of our humanity. And that's the mistake. Yeah, we've definitely gone for a, you know, a vanity metric, if you will. It's kind of a, uh, a quantity over quality. And we're, we need to switch back to now going for the quality. A lot of the listeners here, you know, they're out there. They're working on their own projects. They're creating their stuff. They're interacting with people on email, social media, et cetera. But they probably feel, much like me, that they're spending so much time on social media, often because we feel like we have to in order to keep in touch with our network, right? You know, it's interesting. I think there are very smart ways to keep in touch with your network, and there are wastes of time. Um, we're all busy, right? If you don't bring value to others habitually and regularly, then what are we even keeping in touch about? Hey, John, want to check in? What does that do? Right. And so I think it's about creating and this is where I think connectors are truly community builders because they build communities that are bigger than themselves. And ultimately, while you'll still remain as the sphere of influence because you were the creator, you're the facilitator, you allow for the moderation and so forth. The community gets on a life of its own. So while you remain at the center, it doesn't mean every action, every word, every phrase comes out of your mouth or your hands. Um, And that's, I think, especially in social media, what has been truly valuable, even in my own personal experience. It's not I have the ability to Facebook message someone, right, as the key value. The key value is, is that I've created with my partner a smart series of groups that then make it much easier upon those groups doing what they should do, which is consistently creating value amongst the constituency, that I have direct access to everyone in the group when I want to reach out specifically based on something that was said or heard or value I can create as a result of a thread that was created. It allows me for the instantaneous uh, serendipity communication, but it's not the gamified way of saying, oh, how do I use this tool to convert X amount of my, you know, dormant ties into really strong ties? How do I turn these 10 people from Facebook forums or ads, you know, or uh, our pages into, you know, like ad conversions? I got to ask this, though, because I keep thinking of scaling. When I think of 
the amount of connections that I have across all the social media networks, I just think like I don't scale that way. Like have, you've heard probably of Dunbar's number, the like 150, yep. Yep. you know, you, that basically you can only really know like 150 people. Well, it's not that you should only ever know 150 people. It's that people come and go. Sometimes you have more contact with some versus others. And, and sometimes, you know, those people are going to be more important in your life in a role in this season, but maybe not so much later on. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so, so I say that super connectors, what we found in the book and in our years of of really uh, studying these kinds of folks is they are incredibly good, not at hacking relationship building time, but at hacking their own time to create more relationship building time. And so, so what do I mean by that? We have some connectors that have built entire hardcore Excel spreadsheets that literally rate every single person in their network in 10 different ways, allow for contextual analysis. And basically now, because of you know the idea that you can basically be connected to any kind of digital document on demand have a database that no one else has, not even you know a, a simple contacts app. This is like their own massive creation. Then you have certain other people that simply put in their contacts app in their phone, like myself, put a couple bullets after every conversation you have. So you always know what the last thing you talked about was. What was something unique or insightful that came out of that? Something beyond the LinkedIn bona fides. Because I believe, I was told by a mentor early in life, it's in the book, in the epilogue, and I wish I was smart enough to know what she said then, but it took me years to really understand how, pow- how powerful what she said was. She said, real relationships take real time, and you can't cheat real time. I've since amended that to say, you can only cheat your own so that you can build stronger relationships in the time you make for yourself. So like another perfect example, and this one I think would go well with, uh, with your audience. How many times have you been asked, Hey, want to go get a cup of coffee? Love to meet you. <laughs> Some, something as simple as that, yeah. right? We found that a lot of connectors will take simple things like that. And first and foremost, they'll say no. More times than not, connectors say no before yes, because you can't be a giver for everyone. If you look at things like Adam Grant's triangle of givers being on the top and bottom of the success and failure triangle, there's a reason that the ones who are at the top are at the top, and that's because they prioritize prioritize their success over just being generous to everyone, because if you're generous without a cause, you can't prioritize your own success. Therefore, you're not successful. Therefore, in the long term, you'll fail. But what they do is they'll say, maybe there are 10 people who've asked me that question this month that I do want to take a shot at building a relationship with, or that I want to catch up with. But again, going back to the convener and community mindset, instead of it being one hour, one-on-one, they'll reach out to all 10 people they had interest in, say, hey, I'm I'm going to this place at this time. I've invited X number of other people. For an hour, we're going to all hang out. Why don't you come out? And now you can hear other people's conversations. You can hear context. You can extract more value from the point of context that will help you to determine who you should invest your time in, right? Um, And the value by which you can create for others and invest that time longer term with, but you've only taken an hour. So these are just a couple of examples to give you a sense of how connectors think about the world. At the end of the day, there is no possible way to deeply know hundreds of people. And that's why we say the most important thing you can do is have an incredibly deep inner circle. These are the people in your life that are just the, the untouchables. They're there for you in good times and bad. If, the, if things were really horrible, they're not going to just type you, oh, I'm sorry, on a Facebook message. Then it doesn't matter what they're doing, where in the world. You call them, they get back to you instantly, right? That's the level. 
And the reason that an inner circle is important is because everybody in your inner circle, if they're smart, and likely they are if they're in your inner circle, they also have an inner circle. And then those folks have an inner circle. So by definition, you're actually connected to a lot more people in a more relevant way with someone who would be your best advocate to make an introduction, to build a deeper relationship, because you've put the time in in the original stages. When it gets to these social networks, yes, there might be a favor you need at some point or value you need to create. So you know the people you associate with, the power you've created for others through community building or content creation or whatever it is, like you as a podcaster, you know you might have relationships with thousands of people. But you still would have those deeper relationships with a handful. But yet because of those deeper relationships with a handful, because of the content you've constantly created, because of the association you've created for yourself, you have the ability to take those dormant ties and reinvigorate them because of all the constant giving of your time and content that you've created for those audiences. So you don't have to stay on top of them, but you do have to stay on top of those that matter the most because that's going to be the ones that help you. But that's the kind of concept I think that most connectors live by. Yeah, that makes sense to me um, because I just know, you know, having that, you know, the thousands of people that listen to this show, uh, I can't connect with every single one of them, though. You know, if they reach out, I definitely respond to all the emails uh, as makes sense <laughs> according to my time, you know, my timetables and my email checking. But uh, having my inner circle, and growing that and always growing that stronger over time, uh, that seems manageable to me. That seems doable. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond this episode is brought to you by shopify 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We just got to go deeper, not wider. Yeah. I think social networks are trying to get our attention to sell advertising against our time. And that's why they want us to be as spread as possible. That's why it's not Dunbar's number. Obviously, that's the max number of friends you can have on Facebook. It's 5,000. Because, you know, you have to always know, and as they do, that at different times, they want different people in the algorithm because at different times, like you said, people might end up in season one versus season two of your life, and they don't want you to be closed off because they need you still, you know, getting water from the spout. But that's, again, someone else's real estate, someone else's game. And so I encourage people to build your own framework using proven methodologies. There is no tried and true. There is no three steps to eight-pack abs here. There are a number of tried and true principles you can live your life by that over time you'll know how to more uh, – efficiently and productively use your access and reach, but in a way that actually makes sense to a connector mindset that is valuable to your actual life, your actual goals. One of the things that I think is kind of illuminating from the book is the ability to, to identify which type of connector you are, because being able to know if you're a thinker or an enabler or even a connection executor is going to help you lean into that strength a little bit more. Yeah. I, you know, we talk about uh, the fact that connectors need to be very self-aware individuals. They need to know where their strengths, where their weaknesses are, and they also need to know how they're perceived externally. Um, but in this case, like for example, I am a thinker. My partner is, uh, is a doer. I mean, that's just the way that it's always worked, right? He's the guy that, that gets it done. I'm the guy that comes up with the plan. We meet in the middle at the third point of how the execution will work from a, a managerial point of view. But, but, you need to do that because I like to joke and say that if I was running our business, to use to quote you know uh, Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live a couple decades ago, we'd be living in a van down by the river eating a steady diet of government cheese. It's not my skill set, uh, and so there there comes a point where you have to, as a smart connector, in order to find anchors or super connectors that can help fill your weaknesses, or if you're an extrovert as I am, and Ryan in this case is an introvert, we can use one another's learnings and teachings and lessons to better one another by knowing where our weaknesses and strengths lie and being very open and honest about that. Um, I think that there are many things that Ryan has bestowed on me from a point of self-awareness that have helped me to become a better connector. Again, the typical you know, extrovert, if you had to put a caricature to it before you know, uh, this interview, I, I would imagine most people think it's the guy that walks into the 5,000-person conference, walks out with 4,000 business cards and 3,000 new best friends. Like That's sort of the idea. The reality is that the best extroverts actually that we've found that are connectors actually ex exemplify the best traits of introverts, which is to, again, build oasis offsite, not to just meet anybody and their mother, but to be selective, to put thought and research into their uh, ways in which they're building upon their network versus just trying to you know, do a million LinkedIn introductions, um, being more intimate one-on-one. -on -one. Whereas if you look at the introvert point of view, you know, people that literally would be the ones, again, the caricature would be they're standing in the corner by themselves uh, at the large events or not even making it to the conference because they're having a panic attack in the parking lot. 
you know, you look at that and you say extroverts can rub off on them by being able to find ways to speak up and not always be the ones to listen by finding ways to lead conversations, but just leading conversations in the intimate way they're used to. So there's a lot of give and take. Um, and it does start with knowing the kinds of connector you are and the kinds of traits you exhibit and where you can, where are your definitive no's and yeses? What, what can you overcome and what you can't? What are you innate? What's innate? What's teachable? And then improving or finding those that can fill those voids, fill those gaps, become connectors to other circles that bring you in in a comfortable way uh, where you can actually create positive impact and value, but doing so in a way you're comfortable in executing against. Well, and I can even think of the fact that collaborating with somebody who is an extrovert or an introvert or you know, basically the opposite of you, especially if they're in your, you know, your close circle, that they're going to be able to do something that you can't and vice versa. Yeah, nobody, nobody can do everything. Uh, despite what many young entrepreneurs think today, it is not a team of one. It never is. And building relationships is no different. I think there are times when certain kinds of people are put off by the opposite of extrovert or their opposite being an introvert because they don't know as the extrovert how to deal with an introvert. And so they avoid it because it's weird to them. It doesn't feel right. In the same way that an introvert just can't muster sometimes up the energy to deal with an extrovert or will get the wrong impression of an extrovert because simply put of how they put themselves out into the world. Now, in both cases, it might be the right move, but also in both cases, it might lead to a miss of a fantastic relationship that could be built upon a you know real foundation and have long-term mutual value. But people don't put themselves out there like that because they're too worried, too scared, uh, or frankly, uh, not curious enough to go beyond the surface level of understanding of the other individual because they're put off by something. I would advise you to have your you know reverse interpreter, if you will. <laughs> That's what Ryan is to me. That's what I am to Ryan in a lot of ways. I mean, I've been in situations where people get the wrong impression of me because here I am, you know, New York born and bred type A, going to say like the Midwest and Sometimes people don't know what to make of me. After talks, people won't come up to me because they're like terrified. I think I'm going to rip their head off, right? <laughs> you know, and, and that's just the nature of being able to have that, you know, introvert interpreter. That's like, no, he's he, he totally understands you. He's totally able to listen, but you do have to engage in some way. And I'm thinking through all of this conversation in the context of true, uh, like altruistic relationship building, that it's not about building the relationship or creating the relationship under the guise of what can I get out of it? Even though again, relationships are going to give you something good, but you're also going to be giving something good as well. I mean, it's not really a relationship if both aren't benefiting, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you want to be habitually generous, but not without a cause. I, I sort of go back to what I said about, you know, Adam Grant's triangle where the top of, was highly successful achievers. The bottom were failures uh, and givers were both on the top and the bottom of that, uh, of that uh, triangle. And the reason being is that when you give without a cause, you have no direction. You yourself are not prioritizing your success. Therefore you're giving to, to parts of networks or, or so forth. That's really a time waste or time suck or people that aren't ready for the help to actually be efficient. Whereas those that are on the top know their goals. They're going to surround themselves with the right people. Again, I might get my head shoot off for this. We talk about it in the book. But the best connectors don't just go randomly to a meetup. They don't just decide, hey, let me go meet some people tonight. They don't do that. They are selective. They're selective in the environments they opt into. They're selective in the company they keep. They're selective in the conversations they have. And they're selective in the people they keep in both their inner circle and external circles because they know the number one asset they're never going to get back is their time. 
And so the reality is, if they don't prioritize that time to be most effective, and that even means who they're going to give to, well, then it's a waste of time and effort. And they're not saying, I want to give because I know this person will give back, but they're saying it because they want to give to only amazing people. Because again, while profiting is not a bad thing, profiting is not always money. In the case of a networker, it's typically always money. It's either money or access, right? That's the networker way. Mm -hmm. In this case, it might be friendship. It could be a mastermind. It could be the ability to learn something new. And yes, it could very well be a relationship that leads to a business relationship. But the key is, is that it's not a transactional thought, but that doesn't mean just because it's not a transactional thought that you are not thinking about it from the perspective of, is this person worth investing into? Are they truly amazing? If whatever your definition of amazing is, because you only have so many hours in a day, there's nothing wrong with that. I then have to follow up with this. Some of the things that are most common, again, in that whole networking mindset are these two things, the making an introduction or the making of an ask. How do those now change in light mm-hmm. of super connecting? Yeah, so so uh, hugely different. I think the true sign of a networker is someone who does the blind intro or someone that met you once. And now all of a sudden is like introducing you to all these random people that you know that if he just met you and is introducing you to all these people, he probably doesn't have very deep relationships with any of them. But all now is happening is your reputation's to potentially taking a hit, right? Same thing goes with making an ask. I think a lot of people are not intelligent about their asks. They just make asks because they're transactional thinkers and they want to get to the punchline. And so, yeah, it's like, it's like this, man, Eric, this is, this is the exercise I tell anyone because I try to make this very non-businessy, right? Because look, a lot of people might not, you know, be looking to be entrepreneurs, but thinking about from a career perspective or might be in college right now wondering how they should do this right or wrong. But this idea, this example goes with anyone. Eric, if you and I just met for the first time ever, like never had a conversation, never did anything, weren't introduced. And I walked up to you cold and I said, Hey, Eric, I've been talking a lot about wanting to meet you with my friends. I've researched you a ton. I think we should be best friends. You know what? Let's be best friends. As of right now, you and I are best friends. And so, best friend, I have a couple asks of you. Could you do me a favor? I know you've built relationships with XYZ people over the last 20 up years of your career. But, you know, now that we're best friends, can you go and introduce me to those 20 people? By the way, with a meaningful introduction, something that's going to get the door opened and for me to be able to close it with a deal, that would be really awesome. That is basically what anybody and their mother sounds like when you don't have a deep relationship with someone. It's crazy, right? And that, to me, is the networker way. What connectors do is, first and foremost, there's and we do a whole thing in this in the book about introductions, More times than not, you say no. That's the first thing. Because your social capital is your only currency. It defines who you are. It defines your sphere of influence. And frankly, it also defines how good of a connector you are. Because if you make a crappy intro, that hurts your reputation. It hurts your standing with somebody. Um, and, And those kind of things you can only get away with so many times. And so then we say there's a number of ways you should look at an intro. There's common sense stuff like the double opt-in, making sure the other party even wants the introduction, right? Researching the person further to make sure they are who they say they are. Making sure the ask they're making of you is even halfway intelligent or frankly doable. And it's not one of those stupid asks like, hey, I saw you were connected to this guy on LinkedIn. Can you make an introduction? Or I know you know Richard Branson. 
can you please introduce me to Richard Branson? It's like the thoughtless ask, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're not thinking about an actual goal or a reason to be helpful or some way they can be generous to the other person. Or, or, they're, or they're going with the, what they perceive to be the egotism's decision of that's someone I've heard of or know, so that's the clear ask for me to make, right? On the smart ask side, connectors don't always make their ask right away. They ask for help to determine what their ask even is. I get more people asking me all the time to introduce them to the wrong person, and so I don't do it. If they just simply said, hey, Scott, look, this is my challenge I'm having right now. I'm looking to meet someone who can help me solve this challenge, but I'm not quite sure yet if I'm dissecting my challenge deep enough. Okay, cool. Tell me a little bit about it. And then maybe they give me some bullets and we have some back and forth conversation. What this is actually doing is in talking to me and diagnosing what the ask could eventually be, either A, in my own way, I'm, I'm helping them solve the puzzle, which is helping me as the connector solve the puzzle to help them. Or if I am not able to be helpful, I've at least helped them to sort of be a bit of a Sherlock Holmes of discourse here to help them determine what that ask really is that they should actually end up asking someone. You know, So maybe I can't help them with the end result, or maybe I can help them meet someone who likely has a better chance of helping them pursue the ask or the persons or resources associated with the ask, but it's a more thoughtful approach. It's not assuming you know the answer, you know the resource, you know the person you want, or you just looked me up 25 minutes, looked at my Facebook, saw who I knew, and made a determination like, that guy's my target, right? It's a more thoughtful approach to being smart about how you ask, who you ask, and what you're asking, why you're asking, and, and most importantly, ensuring that you have the depth of relationship to make the ask in the first place. And these are the kinds of things I think that networkers totally and fundamentally miss because they're just trying to they're trying to hit every single uh, free throw every single time or any basketball from anywhere on the court every minute, even though they're not even on the JV squad. They're lucky they're on the practice uh, squad, and, and they simply put, don't realize they're never making it to to the varsity team. Yeah, they're looking for shortcuts. And as we all know, like shortcuts can maybe get you there, but you miss out on the actual like true quality, which in this case is the uh, the true quality of having an actual relationship, which, by the way, that whole conversation that you just went through, like that doesn't exist. It doesn't happen if an existing real true, authentic, and and many other words I could throw out there, actual relationship is not already in place. And again, even if there's not an actual connection to be made with an introduction or or an ask, like at least it's still a sounding board. It's a friend, in other words. Yep, absolutely. So I just, good. People got to stop assuming and start listening and then start interpreting and taking things in just slowing down. You know, I, I think that people assume that if they have a networker mentality and it's working, let me define what working is. So we're clear where they get a sales milestone hit that month. They assume that's working because they hit their goal. What they're not realizing is let's say the goal was five new pieces of business, right? What they're not realizing is for every five pieces of business that they somehow secured, there's 95 people that would love to see this person bound, gagged, thrown in the back of a truck and ending up in another country, right? Because they want nothing to do with that person ever again. That person has so destroyed any potential of opening ever again those 95 doors or anyone associated with the people behind those 95 doors, but they hit the short-term goal, so they repeat because they don't care. Don't be that person. 
Don't be that guy. It does not work in the long term. And then especially in a day and age where all it takes is me putting your name into Google to get a real good sense of what you are and who you are and how easy it is for everyone to be a content publisher today on anything from a LinkedIn to a Yelp to a Facebook page to a Medium post to whatever. Don't be that guy. It will catch up with you. And they will find out and they will put it on page one of Google and you'll be screwed because now that five will become four. The four will become three and three will go to one. And now you got to dig yourself back out and almost like Mel Gibson or any of these other stars that do something horribly stupid, it puts you into a bad cycle, puts you into a really bad zone and you don't have to be there in the first place if you're just freaking human. Yeah. If, if we stop trying to hack the system and actually be human and be human to other humans and have these relationships. And again, it, 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 I can boil it all down into that simplistic of a few sentences, but there's so much more to it. I, I really think people need to dive into the book. Uh, in fact, let's, let's direct people to that. Do you have any kind of specific place that's best for you? Like for people to get it from any, yep, any absolutely. Suite? Well, you can get it anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, 800 CEO read and so forth. Or you can go to superconnectorbook.com. You can take a look at, uh, what some people have said about the book, a bunch of the press the book has gotten, uh, read a little bit more free chapters there as well. Uh, see if this is something for you, but I highly encourage you to take a look and sincerely appreciate, uh, anybody out there that reads it to help spread uh, the word about really smart connectors and sort of help people stop the networking madness. Awesome. Scott, thank you so much for talking with us on this subject today. I think you've opened a lot of people's eyes. And much like reading the book, uh, this conversation helped to drive some of that home for me as well. So thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I'm curious to see how your perspective on networking has changed even just a little bit from hearing this conversation. I know that I have got to do a way better job than I do on this. I have a lot of close friends or close connections that I don't necessarily keep up with or keep in touch with or have a a solid ongoing connection with, and I need to fix that. I have a very, very, very small inner circle or two. I have two very, very small close inner circles, but I know that I need to, even with those people, get things more into a I don't know. In other words, I need to optimize my time so that I have more connection time as well. So I I come to you speaking as someone who is learning through this process also. But again, the book is great. You can get it by going through the link at the show notes, which you can find at beyondthetodolist.com slash 219. Again, if you're in the same position as me where you need to get better at this or you know other people who need to get better at this, maybe they're some of your close connections, share this with them. Again, show notes, beyondthetodolist.com slash 219. Share it with those people. And thank you for listening. And I will see you next episode.